Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Melanie Oberman. Melanie is the EVP of People at Heap Analytics. And today, we talk about defining in-person etiquette for a virtual-first company, designing an office space that aligns with why people are actually in the office, and a snapshot of the overall talent marketplace. In this episode, you'll hear Melanie talk about the need for businesses to create content that can be consumed asynchronously. And separately, an upcoming initiative that Heap has around being open about burnout. In my day job, I talk with executives about what role audio plays in how businesses communicate with their people. And honestly, audio is the most effective format for blending on-demand content consumption with authenticity. There's nothing more genuine than a human voice. There's no visual bias. The episode that you're about to hear with Melanie didn't go through multiple rounds of edit. There wasn't the pressure of a hot light on us when we recorded. We could just be ourselves and talk candidly. People-first podcasting strategies are always the most effective. So yes, this means the CEO and an executive like Melanie talking about burnout because that type of candor at the top of the org is critical. But people-first podcasting strategies also means inviting your people into the conversation. This episode was recorded on Zoom, and the entire process of recording and editing took less than an hour. Audio is scalable, affordable, asynchronous, and authentic. It is the ultimate content format for the times. Venly is an audio platform for business, and we believe that your audio content should live where you do business. With Venly, you can seamlessly, securely, and privately share company audio content to channels like Slack or Notion, all with enterprise-grade listener insights. Questions about how audio might play a role in how you engage your employees? Email me directly at brian at venly.co. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N, at venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y, dot C-O. And now, the extraordinary Melanie Oberman. Hi, Melanie. Hello. Melanie Oberman loves building and scaling winning workplaces and making it easy for teams to do great work. Previously, as head of people and a member of the leadership team at Jet Black, she led the company through 18 times growth in less than two years. During her time at Greenhouse Software as director of employee experience, the company was awarded the number one place to work by Glassdoor. Melanie started her career as a business and human capital strategy consultant at Deloitte and Booz Allen. She's an avid tennis player, runner, and traveler, and she is doing this podcast from her she shed. Melanie, thanks for being with me today. Thanks so much. One thing I forgot to add is I just had a baby six months ago, so that should be an update to my bio. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So for those who aren't familiar, what is Heap? What is the product? So Heap is a product analytics company. We're actually the only digital insights platform that shows you everything users do on your product or your site. We automatically surface what we call unknown unknowns things that you would never know you even need to know that are invisible with any other tool. And we recently had a big launch called Illuminate. And the idea is we are able to illuminate your full customer journey and show you those unknown unknowns that you may not even know exist um, on your site or in, within your product. Life is a series of unknown unknowns. I <laughs> this think we is all true. Are, you just had a baby, you know. <laughs> Yes. So Heap just announced that you are going to be virtual first, but you're also establishing in-person hubs in key markets like San Francisco, New York, and London. 
Yeah. How do you anticipate a virtual first culture and communication strategy interplaying with the hubs? Yeah, it's a great question and something I think about all the time. So just to back up a little bit, the way that we're looking at virtual first is we're actually giving our people, that's what we call our people at Heap, extreme flexibility. So we're giving them options to pick either virtual primary, where you're primarily working virtually, but if you want to pop into a hub every so often, great, you can do it. You get a very generous stipend to set up your office, or you can be office primary. And what that means is you work from the office about three days a week. You can certainly work from home a day or two a week. We have snacks in the office. We have lunch for you in the office. We're trying to make a really great office experience for those that are participating in the office. From a communication perspective, we are primarily virtual. So the way that many of us are used to communicating via Zoom these days is how we're all communicating at Heap for the most part. What we are trying to figure out now is what that means over time as people are in the office. How do we make sure that we're creating a very inclusive environment for those that are in the office and virtual? So for example, if you have a meeting where 50% of your participants in the meeting are in the office and 50% are at home, awesome. You should all get into a conference room and go talk to those people who are on the other side of uh, the screen. However, if one person is virtual and everyone else is in a conference room, everyone should be on their laptops talking to the um, person who's virtual. We want it to feel very inclusive for those that are virtual um, for times when you have conference calls or, or video calls in an office because, um, again, we are virtual primary and we want to make sure that everyone feels very included in those types of scenarios. We're also, so that's that's kind of thing one. We're also looking at more asynchronous communication. So we've started, for example, with all of our ask me anything questions, we always reply. Even if we've shared that information verbally, we reply in the Slack channel, in the AMA Slack channel with a follow-up so that that information is documented. We have a Confluence page that we're building out and we have been adding more and more information so that people can find information asynchronously. And we need to continue to adapt to a world where we are working asynchronously quite often. Now, with that being said, human connection is so important. And so we have budget for all of our teams to get together on a quarterly basis. Our marketing team actually just all flew into San Francisco for a really awesome offsite the past couple of days. And then we're getting together in at the end of the year for a global offsite where the entire company is uh, gathering together. And there's really nothing that um, is better than human connection and in-person connection. And so we really do um, prioritize that in this virtual first world that we're in. I imagine that you're really interested in seeing how many people actually end up going to the office and with what frequency. Yeah. But how do you expect to measure why people are going to the office? Someone that's going for social experience is a totally yeah. different example than someone who's going in for a quiet space. Are there implications for how you might design the physical space based off of the why for someone going? Yeah, definitely. So again, I love these questions because they're things I think about a lot. And 
in particular, we will be surveying people after um, the first month or so where they have been in the office. We just opened our office a couple of weeks ago. And so we'll be understanding behavior via surveys, but we're also watching the behavior. I have people on my team in the New York and San Francisco office. We'll be opening our London office later this year. And we're actually watching behavior. And it's really interesting right now, we're noticing that people are tending to go to conference rooms and take the calls and conference rooms because we're all used to having this very private space at home. And so that is a behavior that we're watching. We're also seeing, um, you know, there's a lot of social interaction that's happening in between meetings. And I hear people say, wow, I'm actually feeling more exhausted from being in the office than I remember because there's so much social interaction. And if you all remember, I know I felt super exhausted when I was on Zoom all day at the beginning of the pandemic. And now that has flipped. And so it's interesting just to hear some of this anecdotal feedback. And we are thinking about the design of our hub space. And do we need more conference room space? Do we need like small um, uh, telephone booths so that people can take their calls that way? And so I think it'll be really interesting just to look at how office space evolves more generally too across companies as we're sort of adapting our behavior from working from home to this new world where we're in office doing a lot of virtual calls, um, but also trying to connect with people live. Um, and one thing that we're doing is we're making sure that every month we have a happy hour in our San Francisco and New York office as a way to really bring all the teams together um, for those that maybe don't go into the office very often because they want to be taking their calls from whatever home office they have. There's an opportunity once a month, you know, all together. And then we're also looking at designating a couple days a week where we say Tuesday and Wednesday, for example, that those may be the days. I don't know where the data is going to land, but um, those are the days that we'll have more people in the office. And so if you choose to go to the office, these days we'll have more people. So as you have breaks in between meetings, you can congregate with people in the office. Uh, but I do think it is interesting to watch the behavior. And I imagine our design is going to be a lot of phone booths and conference room space and potentially less um, you know, open floor plan type space. I don't know. We'll see how this evolves over time. But even with the institution of a monthly happy hour, for example, there's probably still some risk for people that choose to not go into the office with much frequency, sort of like an out of sight, out of mind reality. Are, are there controls that can be put in place with executives to help protect those that choose to be virtual first, even if the culture is virtual first? Yeah. So there's certain teams actually that we are suggesting and in some place, some cases requiring are in the office. And that's for some of the teams like our inside sales teams that are in, in general, you know, um, early in their career, many have just graduated college and really benefit from in-person interaction. And in general, I think the sales function is one where there is a lot of benefit for being in the office. So for starters, there are some teams that we are asking to be in the office more often. And again, we're watching this behavior over time. If they continue to perform super well as they've been doing, um, as they've been working remotely, that's great. And it'd be fine for them to continue working even more remotely um, than you know, we had intended for them to do um, in this sort of post-COVID-ish world. 
Uh, and for those, you know, for example, on the engineering team that are working virtually as a primary mode, we have many of our engineers um, are abroad in countries outside the US. And so they are very accustomed to working virtually. And I think in those orgs, particularly with our, um, our EVP of engineering, David Fullerton, he comes from a world where he's worked virtually for many, many years. And there's certain norms that he's been able to put into place um, things like, you know, saying hi to your team every morning, you can't do it in person, but you can do it on Slack um, and other ways that I think um, he's able to really create some accountability for people who are working remotely all the time, um, help in those kind of situations. And I do think it helps when you have the majority of a team or at least more than 50% of the team working virtually, um, you know, that, that certainly helps as well. A few minutes ago, you set up this scenario where there's like one person in the office and everyone else on the team is virtual and vice versa. Are there some best practices that you've developed around meeting culture? Yeah. So it's a very timely topic. And something that we've talked a lot about is, you know, I think in this um, COVID Zoom heavy world, there's a lot of fatigue from so many meetings. And so what we're looking at is how do we make better meetings? And maybe some of those meetings that you didn't feel like you needed to go to will drop off. And so there's just some basic meeting hygiene that we talk about, like have an agenda, make sure you have clear goals, make sure you are clear on who the attendees should be, make sure you have clear decision makers so that when you need to make a decision, a decision is made and you can move on from it and don't ponder that. Um, and so it's very basic kind of meeting etiquette and hygiene that we're trying to encourage um, everything from, you know, in the invite, you have all this um, information listed. If you don't feel like the meeting is relevant, you can say no to the meeting and that's okay. Um, meetings are recorded. So you can listen to a meeting. For example, all of our all hands meetings are recorded. So if you're in a different time zone and you can't listen in, that's okay. You can listen to the recording. So things like that, I think, certainly help with um, this, you know, virtual world that we're in, um, because we want to make sure that all the meetings are as efficient and productive as possible. Let's pivot the conversation just a little bit. Can you talk about the talent marketplace? There's a lot of attrition due to burnout, but there's also a lot of talent looking for their next gig. Yeah. How are you navigating this? Yeah, Um it's a really interesting question and one that, again, we talk about all the time. So yeah, I think in the talent marketplace, generally, there is more attrition than we've seen historically. You know, a typical attrition um, number for the year would be about 20%. I think we're looking at 30 or 35% um, at most companies right now. And people are quitting in some cases because they just need a change. They've been sitting at home for a year and a half and they want to try something new. Others are saying, I'm just exhausted from working and I just want to take a break. And it's not just heap, it's again across the board. And at the same time, you know, the talent market um, is hot. And so people are, are leaving and looking for jobs. So it goes both ways. I'll get you out on, on this question. This is not specific to heap, but just sort of at a macro level. You know, when you're messaging your team that you're growing and hiring, it's really exciting, right? But how do you message internally that there is attrition, that there is churn, that that beloved colleague just sort of needs a change and we won't be seeing yeah. that person anymore? Is this something that you talk about openly during an all hands, for example, or is it something that needs to be discussed a little bit more delicately in a private manner? 
Yeah, so I think this is always tricky to navigate, um, certainly in every company I've been. So a couple of things that we have been doing and are doing. So one is when we do have someone leave, we actually have a Slack channel called Heap Hellos and Goodbyes. So anyone who comes in, we say hello to. Anyone who leaves, we say goodbye to. And that's just general practice. We always do that. To answer the question specifically around like burnout and you know anyone who is leaving because they are just exhausted from work, we're actually hosting in a couple of weeks a fireside chat led by our CEO and, and sort of co-hosted by me to talk a little bit about some of the challenges people have had um, navigating through COVID and feeling tired um, and what they've done to make changes and adjustments to navigate through that. And I think there's been some like very obvious friction points that we've seen, like it is challenging to have effective meetings and it can be tiring to be in so many meetings. So how do we change that and have better meetings or decision-making is something that came up in our recent engagement survey as an area where we um, you know, can do better. And so we're talking about some of these topics and supporting our people through um, this session that we're gonna be leading in a couple of weeks, not only through a fireside chat, but actually through um, manager sessions where we're going to have conversation around what are those friction points that can make your job challenging and let's talk about them and make changes and be proactive about it. So we're trying to navigate, um, you know, just that sentiment that people are feeling everywhere um, and do that internally. I'm joined today by Melanie Oberman. Thank you again for all your time and your wisdom today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.